All right, let's get us a song book and stand together. Let's turn to number 457. 457. To God be the glory. Great things he hath done. Y'all sang out good and strong this morning. To God be the glory. Great things he hath done. Love be the world that he did us his son. To yield his life and atonement for sin, and open the Thanksgiving. Amen. It's, it's, it's my 
that's my day, amen. So I'm, I'm bummed the rest of the year it's over with. But, but praise God, we had a good time and, and uh, thanking God and realizing and appreciating all that God has done for me and done for our family. And I'm, I'm sure you did the same. All right. Well, praise God. It's all said and done. Now we got a whole new year to be thankful for. So let's go ahead and get started thanking God for all the things he's going to do for us this year, this in the coming year. Amen. I wore my Black Friday suit this morning, I told you, in honor, in honor of the most unthankful day in history. Amen. When people, the day after the most thankful, they're the least thankful. Everybody get out of my way. I got things to do. So it's a terrible thing. But anyway, praise God. I'm just glad I didn't go shopping. Uh, any prayer requests from anybody this morning? Just remember Bonnie in prayer. I know she wants to be here with us, and I think she'll be back real soon. I'm not sure if she'll be back next Sunday or not, but I think she's going to be back pretty soon. Uh, but, but pray for her. I know she's feeling better. It's just healing. takes time. Uh, pray for Scott Dawson as well. I know he wants to be here with us every Sunday. EMS just giving him fits. Um, yes, your toe. Yeah, pray for Phyllis's toe to heal. And uh, you know when you hang that little toe or you hit that little toe, drop something on it, find that just how important that thing is. So you never do this one. Anybody, you don't appreciate it until you bring it up. But, but uh, anyway, remember to pray for uh, for Donnie and Erica's family. Uh, Matthew and, and Jack are both sick this morning. Pray for them. They get well. Pray for my, my family. Like I was laying, fixing to lay Savannah down last night, and she just rode up everywhere. She, uh, it's the first time in her life she's going to throw it up. But, uh, but anyway, pray for those kids. They, they got a round of sickness going through. So pray to God to get them well and everybody get back with us as uh, soon as possible. Anything else from anybody? Yes, Miss Charlotte. Yes, we'll pray for your health as well, sister. Anything else from anybody before we go to the Lord in prayer this morning? Yes. Praying for you too and hers. Yeah. We'll be praying. Amen. Anything else from anybody else? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Robert, lead us in prayer this morning. Amen. You be seated. Oh, 
you know, sometimes life just gets that way. It just kind of gets blah. Yeah, I, I, I'm the kind of person that I need something on the calendar ahead of me. I need something to look forward to. You know, even if it's something I'm dreading, I need something to look forward to. Otherwise, it's like, what am I doing here? I'm just sitting here neutral, doing nothing. So I, I need something ahead of me to encourage me to uh, to get excited to look forward. And I'm looking forward every day to my relationship with my Savior. I look forward to God working in my life and God using me. And uh, I get excited about it. I, I don't know about you, but I do. I get excited about what God has for us. And I want to stay excited about it, amen? I don't want to get dull-headed as a believer. It's amazing. I wasn't planning on talking about that. I didn't, When I set that guitar down, I did not have that thought cross my mind until I set that guitar on that hook. And God put that thought in my mind about getting dull as a believer. And I really didn't connect it to the message that I'm about to preach, which, you know, God's just like that. He knows I've got plenty of limitations. He gives me cheap, cheap points. He gives me little cheap things all the time to keep me going, amen? I like that about God. He's helpful. Amen. The Holy Spirit of God helps me when I need help. Amen. First Thessalonians five nineteen and twenty. I say that until Robert go back and run because I want to know it's only two verses. Amen. Two verses of scripture. Amen. Two nineteen and twenty. I'm gonna see how far I can stretch it, but don't thump it when I stretch it out. It'll go ping. It'll be, I'm gonna stretch it a long way. Amen. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 to 20. If you're just tuning in with us, we're not crazy. Amen. We just have a good time in the Lord's house. Amen. We're not start, We're not starchy and stodgy, and we ain't got a two-by-four strapped to our back. Amen. We like to have fun in the Lord's house. Amen. So praise God. We're going to read these two verses of Scripture, and I'm going to preach to you, and hopefully we'll go to the house at a reasonable time. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20, only seven words. Not only just two verses, but only seven words. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Let me read it again since it was so short. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Let's go to the Lord in word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you so much. I'm so grateful to be your child. I'm so thankful... Lord, that you not only love me, but you love me so much you sent your only begotten Son to suffer my punishment, to take what I deserve for me that I might go free. Lord, you love me with a love I can't even begin to even comprehend. And Lord, you love me not only that much, but Lord, then you called me into your ministry. You gave me this purpose. You gave me this reason to be here. Lord, I rejoice in it. I thank you for it. Please help me this morning. Uh, Lord, I know my limitations. I know how weak my flesh is and how weak my mind is. Lord, I know that I need you. I need, Lord, the Spirit of God to, to, to be stirred up inside of me to preach this message through me today. And I beg you, please, Spirit of God, I'm speaking on, on your, your uh, filling of our beings, Lord. I, I'm speaking on, on the way that you work in our lives. Please speak through me and and share what I can't possibly share without your help. And I want to give Jesus all the glory. I want to give him all the praise this morning. Because, Lord, I, I realize you did it all, and I owe you all, and I, I give you all the praise. I won't take any of the credit. I know it's you, and I, and I praise you now for it. ask you, Lord, to touch each heart, speak to each one under the sound of my voice, whether they be in our congregation or whether they be listening at home, in their vehicle, wherever they may be. Spirit of God, draw them and work in their life and draw them into a close personal relationship with yourself. And we'll give you all the glory and the praise for it. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. All right. Praise God. Those two verses, the Spirit, despise, not prophesied. And again, we're, we're talking about the church at Thessalonica. If somebody's tuned in this morning hadn't heard of any of this series, well, you're going to behind, but... But we're we're in the next and last message on this, in this in this book. I'll preach one more on it next Sunday, and then we'll be on to Second Thessalonians. But you know, I remember as I'm preaching and as I'm studying this. Again, it's a baby church, just a, a newborn infant church. And again, they went through so much. They faced such obstacles. They faced uh, such opposition. They they, they faced persecution and, and uh, trials 
and, and yet, you know, we had we had Paul telling them last week, uh, you know, to to rejoice evermore, to not to not get down, just to rejoice evermore. And again, with all the troubles in their life, it was, it was impossible to do that unless they kept their eyes on the Lord, because only the Lord could give them the ability to rejoice in the midst of suffering. And and then he went on to say to pray without ceasing. And again, we're, we're to stay in that state of prayer. It's not that we're to constantly be talking in prayer or constantly have our eyes closed or constantly be on our knees, but we're to constantly stay in a state of prayer. Like we have a state of love for our spouse, we ought to stay in a constant state of prayer to the Lord. We function while we love our spouse, but we, we're still able to do those things too. And we, we're to stay in that state of prayer all day long. But then lastly, we mentioned in everything, give thanks. And that comes with realizing that God's in control of it all, and we're not. And it's his world, and it's his purpose, and it's his plan, and it's his power. And we're in his hand, and we're his people. We're the sheep of his pasture, and he's able to, he's able to take control and, take, and guide us through this life. And, and he's able to, to do it in such a way that we can thank God for everything, even the good and the bad. Not just the good, but the good and the bad, because we realize all of it's shaping and molding us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we come to this morning. <coughs> to, this, to these two verses, and I realized I could have finished the chapter. It would have been very easy to do that. Matter of fact, it was going to be on verses 19 through 22, but I got into this, and I said, you know what? I need to just stay right here for a minute, and there's enough in these two passages, these two verses, to cover this morning. So let's go ahead and look verse 19. He tells this church to quench, not the Spirit, <coughs> to quench not the Spirit, and I know you know who the Spirit of God is, but he's the third person of the Trinity. He is the Spirit of Christ. Amen. He he, he is our comforter. He's the one that guides us into all the truth. He's the one that reminds us of what the Scripture says. He, he He's the one that, that that is there with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. He is the earnest of our salvation. He's the guarantee of our eternal life. He lets us know that we are saved. He, he confirms what the scriptures say to us concerning our salvation. And I thank God for the Spirit of God that lives within me. I want to, I want to remind you some things about him as he tells us to quench him not. Acts 1.8 tells us, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We need to remember that a dead battery does nobody any good. If you went out this morning and got in your vehicle and turned the key and there was nothing but silence with the click of the key, you'd have, you'd have got very discouraged. You'd have said, man, I can't go to church this morning. I can't go nowhere until I get my battery charged. We need to understand just the very same way that if we do not come to God and, and tell him, Lord, I have no power in my life. I can't do these things. I can't live this life you want me to live. I can't love these people you want me to love. I can't serve these people. I can't do the things you want me to do unless I have your power. Just like you need your battery charged in your vehicle, just like you need battery, your battery charged on your phone, just like you need battery charged for everything that's in your household that runs off the battery, you need God's power to do all the things that you need to do throughout your day. And Paul knew that this church especially needed that. They needed God's power because, again, they're surrounded by heathens, literally heathens, pagans, idol worshippers, those that worship uh, all kinds of hideous-looking creatures and looking things and, 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 and believe in things that, 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 that made these Christians shudder, that they once believed in them too and, and were followers of this. But, but now they're not. They're separate because they're the child of God. And God says, hey, I'm going to give you power, and in that power, you're going to have power to be witnesses. That's what he says. He says, you shall be witnesses unto me. And so, of course, he told the disciples that in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, but now we're under the uttermost parts of the earth. We're beyond Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. We're out in the uttermost places, and it's the Holy Ghost of God still is the power, even in Thessalonica up in Europe. He's still the only power there is to get the work of God done. And we've got to have that power, so it's important that they have it and they not quench it. <clears throat> and then verse in Acts chapter seven, verse fifty-one, Paul speaking to the to the uh, to the uh, Pharisees, he says, "You you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did." So that you so why quote that one? 
can resist him. And I'm going to tell you, people today who resist the Holy Ghost of God because the Holy Ghost of God is continually working to draw us to be more like Christ. He's constantly working at working our life to, to conform us into the image of God's Son. And if we and, and if we don't want to do that, we're resisting the very Holy Ghost of God that lives within us and our lives are nothing but a conflict. And he said, listen, those, those lost people resist the Holy Ghost of God. But what a tragedy that, that believers do as well. That the God that we've submitted ourselves to and come as lost sinners, <laughs> confessed our, our sin, we've got to the point now to where we don't need God's help. Then we'll be all right for Sunday. We'll be all right till we get right. No. We need God all the time. There's never a time when we don't need God. We never go on vacation from God. We never take a day off from God. We need God constantly in our lives. Now look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. This is all setting up the message. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. The Bible tells us there. He's talking to the believers there when he says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed under the day of redemption. Again, I say he's the earnest of our salvation. Just like you're going to buy a house. And they say, okay, we're going to get the contract done. You're going to have to put money. And what does that mean? That means I'm guaranteeing you that house is going to be mine. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you so much that I'm going to buy that house, and I'm willing to put a huge chunk of money down to prove that I'm going to buy that house. And God didn't put a huge chunk of money down in there you. He put his own spirit within us. Say, I'm going to bring them to heaven. They're mine. Amen? He's there. He's the earnest of our spirit, and yet we grieve him. That ought, to sh- that ought to shake us to our very foundation to know that we grieve the God who made us. Not only the God who made us, but the God who saved us. The God who provided for us and done everything for us. We grieve him. God says, don't do it. It scares me the thought. What is, does it not scare you to think that God might be grieved with you? You know why that's in the Bible? Because we do it. Because we're capable of doing it. I hope and pray you don't have God grieved right now. But I dare say there's been a time in your life you may have grieved him. And I dare say there could be a time again in your life if you, where you grieve him if you don't stay walking with him like you should. But, but again... All the more reason why Paul tells this church not to quench the Spirit of God, because it can, he can be grieved. And I can tell you right now, when God is grieved with you, the availability of power is not there. You understand? He is the power of God at work in our life. But when he is grieved, there's, there's, there's an, there, I don't know how to call it, an infraction. We've done something. We've done something that gives God. There is, we have, we have, until we make things right with God, there's no fellowship. God's been grieved. And I don't know about you, but I need God always. I don't need God to suffer now, and I need him always. Well, when we grieve God and, and, and our fellowship is broken, you know, the, devil, the devil's got us right where he wants us. And he's out to do, he's out to do his worst when, we, when we're in that position. It's so essential that we go back and restore that relationship with God. It's so essential that we keep that relationship with God like it ought to be, that we stay in close contact and we stay in a good relationship with God. Down in, uh, in the next chapter, in verse 18, the Bible tells us, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Of course, I've told you that before I've talked about this verse, the contrast there between a man being drunk with wine and when a man is drunk with wine, he's totally different than he is when he's not drunk with wine. When he's drunk with wine, he's a he, he becomes he becomes a very outgoing person. He he, become, he gets courage, and you know he'll say he gets ten feet tall and bulletproof. You know he gets full of alcohol. Well, God compares that uh, to spit filled with spirit of God. Man, righteous man, he's willing to do things for God that he never would have done before. That when he's filled with the spirit of God, and again, a man gets generous when he gets full of alcohol. He, he wants five drinks for everybody. But 
when you get a man full of the Spirit of God, he, he's willing to, to support missionaries and help the church to grow and do whatever he can to try to reach people with the gospel. So there's a, there's a contrast, I mean, there's a comparison there, rather, that, that is very interesting. And, and God's telling us that's essential it is that we be filled with the Spirit of God because if we're not filled with the Spirit of God, we're filled with us. And I don't know if you, if you I think you know this, when, when you're full of yourself, that's not a good place to be. And so we say somebody, oh, they're so full of their sin. That's not a compliment. Amen. You know, and God won't look at his compliment either that we're full of ourselves instead of him. Because he designed us to be filled with him. Filled with him. Amen. That means we're out of the way. That means we we have we have crucified the flesh and all of its ways, and we've given ourselves to God and say, God, please. Just inhabit my life. I just want your presence every day. I want it all day long. Lord, I, I, when, I get, when I get weary, Lord, I want you to encourage me to keep going. When I get sad, I want you to lift me up. And everything that we go through in life, we're going to do with, with hardships, but it sure is easier when we have the Spirit of God stirred up in our life, that shock absorber that he is, <coughs> to reassure us that nothing is, is going to overwhelm us that God can't handle. Which leads me to Galatians 5.25, which tells us if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. <laughs> Listen, I didn't have life until Christ came in. Amen. I was dead in my sins. But once Christ came in, I have life, and I have it more abundantly. And I have a life, and the Spirit of God lives in me. And, and, and listen, I'm knowing it. If I don't take that out into the world, then what good is it doing? Huh? If every time I step out of my house, I mean, look, if I read to there, read my Bible, and I get, I get blessed, God shows me things, and then I step out of my house, and I go, somebody giving you a car, but you never drive it because you don't want people to think it's flashy. Hey, listen, I want people to know that I'm saved. I'm not ashamed. A lot of people say, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. There's the power of God of the salvation every man, everyone that believes it, the Jew first and also the Greek. We're not ashamed of what God has done in us. Amen. We need to let it live in us. Amen. We need to be living epistles read by men. Bible says we live in the Spirit, we must also walk in the Spirit day after day, letting the Spirit of God guide us, letting the Spirit of God reveal God's will to God's Word to us as we, as we live. First uh, Timothy 4 and 14, Paul told Timothy there not to neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is in thee by prophecy, by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. He's talking about his gospel ministry. He's talking about when they laid hands on Timothy. And, and pray for him, that God would use him. He said, listen, you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God on your life. And he said, whatever you do, don't neglect that. What, what, why? Because God is calling him a seven, set him apart to preach the gospel, to minister to people. And he said, don't neglect that. Don't, don't set God aside. I can't imagine how miserable I would be if I walked in here this morning and told y'all I was through preaching and I just went home and sat down and said, okay, I'm doing it. I'd be the most miserable wreck. Oh, I might be all right by next Sunday. I might say, well, it's nice to have a Sunday off. But you know what? A couple Sundays roll by and I start saying, man, I, I, I shouldn't have done that. That was a terrible mistake because I'm, God called me. I'm telling you, I, I can't imagine it. I cannot imagine it. But you know what? A lot of people do neglect what God's called them to do. A lot of people do. They, they, they get caught up in this world. They get caught up in, in, in things, and they, they forget about how much they need the Lord. And what a tragedy that is to neglect the one who made you, the one who sent his son to die for you, and the one who's prepared you at home in heaven. <clears throat> I'm going I'm to hurry up and run out of time. What I'm going to do, i got to hurry. Uh, <clears throat> 2 Timothy 1.6 Paul said, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. He said, I want you to daily just stir it up. Just like a man going to the illustration of an old, an old uh, pot belly stove, you know, if you fill it full of logs and it roars all night long, it's come morning, the members about to die down because there's like ashes in there. But oftentimes, you go and you make a fire call, stir around and ashes, you might be 
there before you know it, you've got it roaring again. Got you a good fire roaring again. And that's what Paul, the image that Paul has given us. He said, get up out, get up out of bed. Maybe yesterday wasn't so great. Maybe yesterday wasn't the best day. This morning, listen, maybe you had a, a couple of rough days, but get up this morning and get in there with God and go stirring around that firebox in your heart. And, and get some scriptures in there and poke around a little bit with it, and you'll find that fire is still there, and get it roaring again, and get out and serve God and live for him today. That's what he's saying. He said, listen, start it up. Get God excited in your life again. That's exactly what that means. Get the Spirit of God excited in your life again. You know what gets the Spirit of God excited? Willingness. Willingness to be obedient. Lord, I'll do whatever you want. That gets the Spirit of God excited because then he's got a vessel he can use. And boy, if we don't, if we don't, Jeremiah supposed pretty plainly what will happen in Jeremiah 20, verse 9. He said, he said, I, he said I, will make, I will not make mention of him or speak any more in his name, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay, but I couldn't, I couldn't hold it back because it was a, it's a fire shut up in my bones. And that word fire there is essential because, again, what does Paul say? Quench not the Spirit. The Spirit of God is like a fire burning in us, amen, and we don't need to get cold. That's why they're cold, and, and, and we call them dead. There's life there. When there's a fire going on, we need to pray, God, stir up the fire in me. Stir up the fire of God in me. Set me a flame for you, Lord. That brings me to my second half of the message. I said all that about quenching out the Spirit to get to the real message, which is the second verse. Paul said, despise not prophesying. Why do we need to stir up the Spirit of God? So that we not we not despise preaching. And I know I know I'm listening. I'm talking to God's people this morning. And all y'all sit here and tell me I don't despise preaching. But I know there are people that don't. And I know there are people who 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 call themselves Christians who don't. <coughs> We're living in the last days, and I know it's been the last days for a long time, but we're we're living in the very last of the last days, and the last of the last days are marked by people that despise all the things that are right, and I don't think that's hard to see. We we look. I, I was just reading. I was just reading and a friend of mine. She she was saying that she she was going to stop shopping at Tractor Supply because now they're supporting LGBTQ plus. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever they are now. And and you know, it's like what's wrong with people anymore? What's wrong with all these businesses? What's wrong with all these people wanting drag queens in the libraries reading the little kids and I mean what what is wrong with the people that put stuff on T V? What is wrong with the people that make movies? What's wrong? They, I tell you what's wrong with all of them. They, they're godless. They 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 despise our Savior. They despise God's holy word, and they love wickedness. Men love darkness because their deeds were evil, the Bible says. But listen, we're living in a day where, these, where the, the way the world is becoming is having an effect on believers. It's weighing people down because, because again, they're not stirred, they don't have God stirred up in them. The Holy Spirit of God is not leading them and guiding them. They, they, they're on autopilot. They're not trying to live for God while they're in it. And, and listen, it's hard to want to do the right thing when you're not, you don't have a purpose. When you don't have a purpose to live right, it's hard to do right. And you understand what I'm saying? You don't do things just, we're not going to do it naturally. Your natural reaction is to do wrong. Your natural inclination is to choose what's comfortable. Your natural inclination is to not upset the herd. And in, in, in doing what comes natural, oftentimes we, we end up doing the wrong thing and we end up uh, disappointing God in what we do. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3.3 3, that without natural affections, people will be 
truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, listen to this, despisers of those that are good. They despise those that are good. Again, our verse says despise, not prophesy. But the thing you need to realize is 2 Timothy 3.3 was not written to the lost. 2 Timothy 3.3 was written to believers. Written to believers. Who will say, who, who he's saying in the last days will be despisers of those that are good. He's writing the questions. It's a serious matter that a child of God could possibly be guilty of despising prophesying. Let's look at what that, that verse says. Despise, to make of no account. You know, we hear so-and-so, he ain't no parent. What does that mean? That means I don't want nothing to do with it, right? You better watch old so-and-so, he ain't no count. You know what I mean? That means he's sorry and he'll do you wrong if he gets an opportunity. That's he's no count. I don't want nothing to do with it. And and to, to set it not, I mean, that is no good. So despise something, that's something that ain't no good, no account. And we're talking about prophesying, which is preaching. Prophesying, a discourse emanating from divine inspiration, clearing the purposes of God, whether by reproving the wicked or comforting the afflicted, afflicted or revealing things hidden. That's preaching. That's all that is. It's straight, straight up good old preaching. And he's saying, don't despise preaching. Don't look at preaching as, ah, oh, that ain't no count. I don't want nothing to do with that. But yet, that's what a lot of believers do. You say, how do you know? Because they don't come to church. That's how. They don't come to church, or they don't count church very important, or they don't count being there for preaching being very, being very important. Again, I'm not trying to tear nobody in this church up. I'm not trying to jump on nobody, but this is in the Word of God, and there are people that need to hear it, whether they be in here or whether they be outside of here. There's plenty of people listening in. But there's people everywhere that needs to hear this message. We need to all be in church more often than we are. I mean, I know some of y'all here every time, and praise God for that. But every one of us needs to be here more often than we are. Uh, let's get into this message. i got ten minutes. I'm going to do it. we got to look at number one. There's a cause for the despising. Why do people despise preaching? First of all, it condemns. That's why. John 3, 19, and this is the condemnation. The light is coming to the world. Men love darkness rather than light because the deeds were evil. I quoted that earlier. Men love darkness. Again, they, because, again, it, they think it feels good to sin. It, it, it's enjoyable to sin. And they don't realize that the end of that sin is going to be so uh, uh, so anticlimactic from what they thought it was going to be. Oh, well, it ain't never going to happen. I'm living fine. Ain't nobody going to me. I'm living fine. But there's a reckoning at the end of it all. And and that preaching, that preaching condemns their sin. It tells them. That, that there's a way that seemeth right unto the man, but the end of the thereof are the ways of death. Preaching tells men that, and they hate it, and therefore they don't want to hear it because it condemns what they're doing. The reason why they, they despise it because it confines. People say, I don't like, I just don't like all that. Thou shalt not this, and thou shalt not that. Well, God's smarter than you are. And there's a reason why you don't like it. It's because your flesh wants to see it. Yeah, you don't like it, but, you know, you probably didn't like Mama saying no when you was little either. Okay? And the people that usually don't like what God has to say had a problem with discipline all along. But they don't like it because it condemns. They don't like it because it confines. Jude 1 8 says, Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignity. They don't want nobody telling them what to do. We're raising up a generation. We don't raise, I say raising, we don't raise the generation. You know, you know, people, nobody wants to work anywhere. You know why nobody wants to work anywhere? Oh, because of COVID. No, because they don't want nobody to tell them what to do. They don't want about no boss to tell them when to do what and how to do it and and then no, you get off a break, come in here. I they don't want to be told what to do. Amen. Now, you're right. That's exactly what it is. Second <clears throat> Peter two ten. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self willed, and they're not afraid to speak evil of dignity. They, they, people ain't got any problem telling a preacher to preach. 
I don't get up here tell you what I think. And I'm not, I know nobody here is tearing me to pieces. I'm not talking to y'all, but I'm just talking about people and preachers in general. <clears throat> it's easy to tear the preachers down, but what they better realize is the preacher's not getting up there giving them their opinion. The preacher's giving them the word of God if he's if he's worth anything. And you're not fighting the preacher, you're fighting God. The people don't like that. And again, they don't want God to tell them what to do. They're they're fine serving that again that that, that dashboard Jesus that just nods his head like this as they go down the road. They they fine with flashing the dashboard Jesus, but the Jesus of the Bible that's a different matter because he tells them, listen, you follow me, you obey me. They don't want to obey nobody, so they despise preaching. I don't like going in here that preacher. He's always telling me what I don't need to do. <clears throat> it confines. So you know what else it does? It confuses. First, uh, First Corinthians two fourteen. The Bible says, "But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, because their foolishness foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned." Now you say, "Wait a minute, he's saved from my saved people." Yeah, but let me tell you this: when a, when a man is saved and he's not following God and he's fighting God, you know what he's in? He's in his flesh. And when he's in his flesh, he can't get nothing out of his Bible. He's got to come to God and repent and ask God to forgive him. He's got to ask God to, to open his eyes and speak to him by the Spirit of God again. Again, if you're at odds with the Spirit of God, he's not going to help you. You've got to restore the relationship. You've got to come back and repent and say, God, please forgive me like David did. He came to God and he confessed his sin and he said, Lord, please, I want to have joy that I don't have anymore. That joy is gone when, you, when you're at odds with the Spirit of God. When you quench the spirit of God in your life, yeah, it confuses you. you go to listen again. Unless you're going to get right with God, it's just going in one ear and out the other. The Bible says he can't know those things because they're spiritually discerned. And again, it takes the, the aid of the spirit of God to understand those things. They hate, they despise preaching. Why? Because it confuses, but it also convicts, and that's really the part that. People don't like when they're out in sin. Acts 7, verse 54 and 57. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Say, oh, oh, it hurts. You know, the Word of God like that. It's like a two-edged sword. Sharper than a two-edged sword. And dividing asunder to the joints and marrow. This cuts you. The Word's preached, and it cuts you. And instead they say, oh, I'm in here preached. And have visitors in here, and I've seen it on their face when the Word of God sliced them. And it, uh, it hurt. I saw it on their face. I've seen people sitting here and get angry with me because I'm preaching the truth at them, and they don't like it. And now you say, who is that? They ain't none of your business. But anyway, but no, they, they were cutting the heart. They gnashed on him with the teeth. They, when, when Paul was preaching stuff, they got so mad. That, I'm not sorry, that wasn't Paul, it was Stephen. But when, when, when Stephen preached stuff, they got so mad, they ran at him and they started biting him. Ah! Just whatever i got to do to shut you up. It, it, it hurt them so bad. And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. Conviction, man, it's good. I mean, I never had it do that to me. But I had, I had it bring me to my knees. I had it bring me to a... Just a, just a pile of worthlessness. You know, people don't want to feel that way. People don't want to know how worthless they really are. But you know, there ain't nothing like the Spirit of God taken just you with the Word of God. You realize I'm nothing without God. I'm nothing without you, Lord. Oh, Lord, help me. I have I have turned my back on you. I've, I've gone the other way. I've, I've quenched the Spirit of God. I've thrown cold water on you. And say, I want to do my thing. People find themselves like that. And, and yeah, there was, a, there was a point way back there in their past somewhere where there was an altar where they got they, they got on their knees and confessed their sin and, and they got forgiveness and they, and they got born again. But since that time, the world or whatever let them off astray and now they find themselves in a, in a strange land far from home and wondering, how do I get back? And it's only one step. It's only one step. I'm getting ahead of myself. I've got to hurry there. <clears throat> we see the confirmation of the despising. i got to hurry and get done. We see it in, number one, a lack of attendance. 
Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. But we see that people are despising because our churches are drying up. Churches ain't near full like they used to be. Listen, I, and I know I, I, I don't think my life has been that long, and I realize now it's been been over 50 years, but and, and to me that don't seem like but no time ago. I know it, it's, to young people that seems like forever, but... And some of y'all, y'all think, well, you're a young kid. You don't know what you're talking about. But, but 50 years ago, it didn't seem that long. And 50 years ago, churches were packed. Y'all remember? Y'all remember how Sunday school was in the 70s? Gosh, you had to open up. You had to find new rooms to put people in. People were just coming in in droves. I remember back in the days, we used to have in the back of the, back of the auditorium, we had those big old heavy curtain things, you know, nothing. There was more pews back there, and we, we'd seat people back there, and we got too many people in there. And, and you know, I guarantee you that same church today, they don't ever open them back doors. They don't ever have a reason to, unless they're making a Sunday school back there. There's a lack of attentiveness. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, listen, those people, I, I, I'm going to hurry, but, but he said, All the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake to Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. So he preached till noon, and I'm about to quit, Robert, before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of the people were so attentive. They were attentive under the word, the book of the law. They, they, there's a lack of that today. And, and, I mean, again, I'm not to pick on you, but everybody's worried about what time to get out. A lot of people back their vehicles in the church so they uh, point it toward the road when they get out. I didn't come in to get out. Amen. I, I, I came in to get in. I, had, I remember a girl told me that a long time ago. She said, I don't come to church to get out. I come to church to get in. I think that's good stuff there. But there's a lack of attentiveness. And there's also a, a, a lack of there's a lack of attentiveness, lack of attentiveness, and there's a lack of acceptance. James one twenty one, the Bible tells us wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive the with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Listen, we need it. We need it. We need it. We need the Word of God. It cleans us up. It, it makes us what God wants us to be. First Thessalonians 2.13, For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. It, effect, it effectually worketh in you. Listen, the Word of God will change you. It will make you into the image of Jesus again, but there's a lack of acceptance of it, and that's why we don't see much change in people. Amen. They, they again, they, they, there's a, there is a, there is a lack of emphasis on the Spirit of God controlling the life of a believer in the average Christian's life. People, again, people are just on autopilot, and when you're on autopilot, the Spirit of God is not in control. When you're on autopilot, your flesh is in control. And there's a lack of acceptance of what God has to say. When there's a lack of acceptance, guess what? There's a lack of adherence. James 1, 22-25, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way. And straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. There's that adherence. Not just reading it every now and then, but continuing therein. Counting time with God more important than time watching your favorite TV shows. Counting time with God more important than checking your Facebook. Counting time with God more important than getting back to a text. <coughs> And being, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his need, in his deed, rather. Being not a forgetful hearer. There's so many, I guarantee there's so many song lyrics I could probably quote you. Stuff that, that I wouldn't sing again, but I still know it. And yet, I probably, I, you know, 
I, probably, I don't have any scriptures I can quote you from memory. Quite a few of them, I'm sure. But I wonder if it, what's comparison. You know, we're to fill our heads with the Word of God. Fill our heart, fill our head with the Word of God. If it's not there, you have a hard time sticking with something you don't know. That's why we need to memorize the Word of, word of God. We need to hide it down in our hearts so that we not quench the Spirit of God, that we not despise preaching. We need to love it and meditate on it like we said in Sunday school, uh, mull it over constantly. And then lastly, I'm going to give you the cure for despising. The cure for despising, number one, it's a hungering. We need a hungering. The Bible tells Peter said in, in, in First Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Listen, I can tell you from having a baby not too recently, when a baby gets ready for some milk, they go to holler. They don't care who hears them. They don't care who they stomach in the process. And they will not quit hollering until they get satisfaction. My friends, we need to be hollering for the Word of God. We need to be hollering, Lord, show me what you want me to know. Lord, teach me what you want me to learn. Lord, guide me to where you want me to be. We need to be crying those things out to God. Every single day we live, we need not put the word of God aside to go and, and revel in this world. We need a hungering, and number two, we need a hearkening. Amen. We need to listen on purpose, with purpose. And lastly, I'm just going to hurry up and get. No, I, I got two more. No, I got three more. I got to hurry. There needs to be an honoring. We need to honor the word of God. Uh, another way, and how do you honor it? Well, you honor it by obeying it. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem you very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. We just looked at that last week or week before. But the best way to show your appreciation for the Word of God is to show up. That's the best way is to be here. You know, I, again, I spent hours before the Lord getting messages together just to, and just only have a short period of time to give them to you. So, so by being here, you, you honor the Word of God. And by humbling yourself, we need to swallow our pride and listen. You know, we get the idea we know it all sometimes. We know, I, you don't realize how long I've been on this earth and whatnot, you know, but the truth of it is I'm still just a baby learning. I have so much I need to know that I can't possibly ever grasp it all in one lifetime. And we need not ever get to the point where we think we figured it out. We're graduate students of the Bible, and, and we know more than others. We always need to come like little children to the Word of God and feed of the Lord Jesus to be taught. And lastly, by holding it. Amen? By holding to the Word of God. Titus 1.9 says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he might be by, able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. He's saying there that we need to, we need to hold to it so we can take the Word of God and, and tell them the sound doctrine of the Word of God to encourage them to, so that they might see that Christ is the only way. It, you know, it's hard to sell somebody on something you don't believe in yourself. You ought to say the Word of God so much that there's, there's no denying that you know how to share Christ with somebody. There's no denying how you, you know how to, to give them sound doctrine that, of, of, of salvation, of sanctification. I mean, those things are those things are not complicated, and we ought to all be versed in how to how to lead somebody to Jesus, how to tell somebody how to live for God. One of the best ways that we can make sure that we despise not prophesying is to hold it fast, to love it, to 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 uh, to remember. We need to remember it. We need to learn it. We need to study it. We need to remember it. We need to rehearse it. We need to meditate on it, we need to live it, and we need to display it and demonstrate it. Quench not the Spirit of God. Let's stand again. We're going to sing a song of invitation here in just a minute, 161. Let's go to the Lord for prayer.
Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.